With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to an all-new episode of Surf Splendor. I'm your host, David Scales. Uh, If you're new to the show, perhaps you came over because you found us on the Inertia based on last week's episode. Um, We basically do alternating formats. So this week we are doing an episode where we just cover surf news, current topics in the world of surfing. And I do that with my co-host, Scott Bass. And then the alternating week, last week and the next week, Uh, We do profile pieces, basically, with people in the surf industry. So last week, obviously, was with Zach Weisberg from the Inertia. And uh, if you came over to listen to Surf Splendor from there, we appreciate that. And um, we have, I think, 33 or 34 past episodes all archived on our website, surfsplendorpodcast.com. Uh, for free. So you can go back and listen, just click listen, or you can actually download the file to your computer or device. And um, also everything's available on any major podcast platform, iTunes, Stitcher, all that sort of stuff. And then if you listen in those platforms, just make sure to rate and review the show. Uh, Let other people know what you think of the show, and that helps kind of build the community gets other people, uh, it, it basically ranks the show higher and then gets other people interested in the show prior to committing to an episode. So thank you for following along and participating. Feel free to comment about today's show on the show's page on surfsplendorpodcast.com. And then you can also participate in the conversation on social media at Surf Splendor. So that's it in terms of business, and we hope that you enjoy today's show. Thanks. Hey now, down the line, Surf Talk Radio, yeah, guy, Scott Bass, David Scales with you. It is April 15th, it's a Tuesday, it's tax day, oh, yeah. many people scrambling to pay their taxes to Uncle Sam, and um, David with SurfSplendorPodcast.com, David, welcome. Thank you, Scott, I forgot that it's tax day, glad that... Uh... How can you forget? Because it was done, my taxes were done a month ago, so I'm not waiting till the last minute like I have in years past, but yeah, forgot about that. All right, well look, first things first, we're broadcasting live from the Shack Studios here in San Clemente, the Surfing Heritage and Culture Center, a beautiful museum, a uh, repository of an incredible collection of surfboards, the largest collection of surf photographs, images in the world. Every surf video and surf film ever created and and uh, millions of pages of books and literature here, as well as oral history that they have collected on um, tape recorders and such. Yeah. So a lot here to visit in San Clemente at the Surfing Heritage and Culture Center. Uh, David and I urge you to stop by, say hello, come in, become a member, 
and uh, and uh, check out all the cool stuff. Is it surfingheritage.org? It is. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's a great website too. Surfingheritage.org. My favorite part about the site is just the um, there's the archive of surfboards that they have in their collection and a really cool way of viewing it. So if you can navigate to that part of the site, you can look at this boards basically, solid wood boards from the early 1900s all the way up until Kelly Slater's current boards that he's riding. And uh, it's really just a great history, you know? Yeah, so, it's a cool place. Check it out. What's going on? What do you got on? Um, um, what well, do you got on the brain here today for the show? First of all, what was that uh, board in the back of your truck? Um, that was which one? There's two so, of them. I saw the long one sticking out. The oh, back. the long one is an 11 foot Andrini glider, nice. sort of, um, you know, along the same lines as a as a skip fry glider. It's a long, flat, cruisy board that that's a lot of fun to ride. Is that what you were writing in your Facebook profile picture? It is. Yeah. <laughs> but I it changed my Facebook oh, profile did? picture to one of me and my lovely wife. Okay. Yeah. Smart move. Yes. Um, so is that what you rode today then? No, I have not surfed today. I've been out of town for more than a week. I haven't surfed in more than a week, but I'm oh, hoping okay. to get in the water later today. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, the waves have been small this past week, so you haven't missed much. I've been trying to surf, and uh, actually, when was the last time you saw video footage of yourself surfing? <laughs> uh, it's been a while, but I know it's probably not. I bet it's underwhelming. Yeah. Do you remember the last time you did and the experience of watching it? Um, I can't recall the last time somebody showed video of me surfing, but I know that I thought I was doing much more than I was actually doing. I was mortified. I was, <laughs> I was at the beach recently and a friend of mine was filming his other friend, our other friend. And uh, so I just paddled out and then I came in and he's like, oh, I got some clips of you. I'm like, all right, cool. Yeah, send them to me. He sent them to me and it was mortifying. Like Lots of arms, no legs. It was, yes, exactly. No <laughs> hip swivel, no like stiff legged, lots of throwing of the arms. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I think I need to get a longboard exactly. and go, go way down the beach and just be <laughs> no, by no. myself. I was just going to say, that's what the 11-footer is really yeah. great for, is it, it sort of reins you in. It and, really and does. And it forces you to kind of just calm down. Yeah. We're not really doing all that much, you know, I we're not that great. I didn't think that I was ripping. I wasn't like under the delusion that I was going to get these clips and like submit it to Surfline or something like yeah, that. Right. But but still, it was, um, yeah, it was... How's your style? That was the biggest problem. See, here's the deal, is that style is the only thing that you really have. As surfers, all we really have is style. That's the only thing that's going to stay with us throughout. Mm -hmm. Everyone's going to go, oh, I've seen that guy surf a million times. That's, you know, X, Y, or Z. And it's really important that you either have a good style or try to attain a good style. Because at the end of the day... You know, all you're going to be doing is a bottom turn with either good style or bad style. I fully agree, and that is my new mission in surfing. Um, the the worst thing about it is I've seen photos of myself in the last two or three photos years. Photos lie. They do, and I never thought the photos were great, but I just thought like, okay, cool, I'm not looking like a kook, you know? And then the video doesn't lie. No. So Video does not lie. Yeah. I'm sorry that you had to be exposed to that. That must have been horrific. It's pretty devastating. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's important here, though, is that you have fun, right? You have fun when you surf. 
Well, I've surfed probably five or six sessions since then, and I haven't had as much fun because I'm now um, preoccupied with not looking like a coop, with <laughs> attempting to not look like a coop, you know? Uh, well. So I need to shake it off. But the waves have been so small, and uh, the swell direction's kind of wrong for where I'm surfing, and it's just, it hasn't been good for my ego. We should go surfing together. Okay. And just... Um kind of riff off of each other and see what happens. Maybe like at San Onofre, I've got a couple Ooh. longboards. Okay. Just to go, whatever, you know, yeah, no yeah. expectations. Okay. You can laugh at me, I'll laugh at you. <laughs> <laughs> We're just going to like the lowest common denominator. We'll be longboards on, a, yes. on at San Onofre. Yes, longboards. If we oh, don't look good man. there, we've got a major issue. We're My, just breaking it down to the lowest, you know, like. I never thought this day would come. It's not that hard to look okay on a longboard at San Onofre. I know. That's just a tough pill to swallow, dude. <laughs> I thought this day would come when I was 80, not when I'm This 32. could be the most liberating and glorious day in your life. This could be where you're like, you know what? This is what it's all about. Okay. It's not really about racking up points for somebody else whose expectations are based on their own misguided conception of what good surfing is via the internet and surf magazines. Can we compromise and go to uppers? Sure. Okay. We couldn't. We won't ride longboards there. We'll ride okay. shortboards, right? I'll, or something in between, maybe. What would you ride at uppers? What's your go-to board? I've got a three to four feet, or I've got a six-nine single fin right now that I've been riding. So it's not giant, but it's not small, mm -hmm. and uh, it would help benefit that kind of style thing that you're talking about. All right. Force you to kind of rely on the board and not so much. Yeah, my input. the wave, you know, the wave, the wave needs to provide us with the speed. Right. If our arms or our body is trying to get us up to speed, where at some point we have enough speed to then do a maneuver, um, we're in a bad place, you know. Well, the, yes, the board can provide speed too. Yeah. In fact, I just ordered a new board from Sean Madison. Yeah, yeah. A Flying Manta. Right. And it's super wide. It's, it's going to have tons of speed built into the board. And I'm sort of excited about getting it and trying it out because I've heard really good things. There's a massive forum thread on Surfer Magazine's design forum about the Manta. It's like 25 pages long and it's just over, you know, just flowing with great reviews about how fast the board is. What is the board design? It's basically just sort of like a wide mini sim it's just got tons of planing speed it's just this big wide board okay you know, with like just tons of planing area so a similar design as other boards that are out there it's not like a revolutionary design no no it's probably more like a refined design sean's really about okay. refining things so it's it's kind of like all the speed in the mini sims but i know sean probably wants to be able to redirect the board um so the thing is with sean's surfboards the von sol surfboards is that Sean's a great surfer, mm -hmm. and and he wants to maintain his you know ability and his level where he's at. So he won't ride or design anything that he doesn't firmly stamp with approval, and um, and Sean takes a little bit of heat because you know he's not officially a shaper. You know, has he shaped a surfboard or two? Sure, just like you and I have maybe, um, but. Um, he's designed a bunch of really great surfboards oh, okay. based on his feedback. And I mean, this is a guy that spent 35, 40 years on surfboards about all sorts of, you know. Yeah. So um, while he's not a shaper per se, he knows what he wants. And sort of in the same vein of like uh, Richard Kenvin. You know, Richard Kenvin's not necessarily a surfboard shaper. Has he shaped boards? I'm sure he has. 
but you know that um, he knows a hell of a lot about surfboard design and what it does and what the various nuances of each design do. And so you you put a lot of trust into guys like Richard Kenvin and Sean Madison that, that they you know they know what they like and they know what they're talking about. It's funny that you mentioned Richard Kenvin uh, out of the blue because he's in my notes for an upcoming topic later in the show. Okay. So that's coincidental. But um, it should be said also that Sean Madison was a guest host on the last episode that we recorded. Right. So um, anybody you know who's interested to hear about that board design or just him should definitely go back and listen to that. I enjoyed having him as a guest host. Yeah, Sean's uh, he's a knowledgeable guy. He's also a great marketer. So, um, you know, I've had him on the show many times and, you know, he likes to, you know, like all good marketers, he likes to kind of twist the conversation around to mm-hmm. his stuff, which makes sense, which is also why I only have him on once in a while, you know, <laughs> but he's, he knows a lot and he's, he's pretty tight with Kelly Slater. So I enjoy having him on for, from that angle. Cause he, he has some insight into Kelly, which is kind of cool. Yeah. One degree of separation, Scott. That's right. Dang. So close. Um, I'd like to open up the show with an apology. To me? No. Heck no. <laughs> what? Oh my I feel, god. I feel no remorse for anything I've ever said to you. <laughs> That's not true because recently you apologized to me for something. I forget what. I forget what it was too, actually. Uh, it doesn't matter what. The fact that you apologized to me is what's important. Well, hey, dude. I'm always <laughs> willing to admit when I have uh, misstepped. All right. Um, I got a listener. Maybe you got it too. Maybe we were both copied on it. Uh, or an email. I'm sorry. An email from a listener named Ed P. And uh, he, he started it off with saying a lot of nice things about the show. But then one of the things he got to was, um, quote, The anti-SUP chatter is a bummer and not in spirit with your vibe. I'm a lifelong surfer from Santa Barbara and North County, San Diego, and enjoy your show, but get put off by the anti-SUP chatter. I'm familiar with Scott's feelings about SUP, but I'm not sure. You folks are truly keeping... But I'm not sure you folks are truly keeping with the ride anything spirit you speak of on the show. Does he bring anything specifically up? No, but I know I do know a time or two in the past. Anytime SUP comes up, I joke about it. Yeah, as and I do too. Being a lesser and life form. Look, I we appreciate Ed's uh, email, and um, look at the end of the day, the bottom line is. Uh, most of the anti-SUP comes from the fact that they can catch a ton of waves. Yeah. And, um, and you know, being selfish, greedy bastards that we are, we're, we're generally, you know, it's, a, it's just an, unpl- it's an unfair playing field yeah. when there's an SUP in the lineup. Or if you're on a shortboard and there's a longboard in the lineup. Yeah. Or if you're, um, you know, on a boogie board and... You know, so it's not necessarily that we're anti-SUP, um, and I can't speak for you, but I'm, um, you know, I, I'm basically I'm a hypocrite is what it comes down to because I I have I can ride an SUP. I have two of them in my garage. I will occasionally paddle one out and catch tons of waves and and. Um, but do you do it on the peak at Swami's? No. Or Cardiff. Well, at Cardiff I do. Okay. Yeah. When there's other surfers out battling yeah. the waves. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I've been surfing at Carter for 35 years. I don't care who's out there. Yeah, you are a hypocrite then. <laughs> well, it's true. No, it's true. I mean, there, believe me, there, I, I'm the first to admit it. I mean, there's 
there's sort of blurred lines. There's blurred lines with everything in surfing regarding quote unquote rules or etiquette. Yeah. You know, it's like guy on the inside. No, not if I've been sitting for 35 minutes, I'm going, I don't care where you are. Right. And that's like, some people would argue that, well, that's not right. The guy on the inside gets the right away. And then the other guy would go, really? Well, what about that old man that's been surfing out here for 50 years? He's not necessarily going to go paddle hassle you like he's in an NSSA contest so he can be on the inside. Right. And oh, by the way, you know, that guy's a legend here, whoever, you know, whoever, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So, I mean, there's just, there's just, that's sort of the beauty of, of the surfing sphere and the environment out there is that, you know, there are really no rules. It's up to us as a, uh, I hate to use this word tribe, but to, it's up to us to sort of dictate how things are going to go. And each day it changes. And it, quite frankly, it changes minute by minute. It things does. can be going along great and an SUP or paddles out and ruins the whole trip and doesn't right. even realize it. Right. Or it could be a shortboarder that's uber aggro and thinks he's like a pro surfer. He's 20 years old and has a sticker on his board and thinks he's the bee's knees. Right. And he's really just your average kook guy with a sticker on his board. But, you know, Ed, you know, mm-hmm. we look, we're not out to be, we're not out to ruin the vibe of the show. Right. But um, it is what it is. And stand up paddlers um, are a nuisance. And I, quite frankly, can be the biggest nuisance of them yeah. all. Well, also, I think that the vast majority of stand-up paddlers that exist around the world may not even be battling for waves. You know what I mean? My my experience with them is basically in Southern California where it's crowded, and so it is a nuisance in the lineup. But Ed emailing from Santa Barbara County, you know, there's probably not as many crowds up there, and he's probably doing it by himself, and so he doesn't quite understand the dynamic that maybe you and I are complaining about or hasn't been exposed to it. Um and I've, I've only stand-up paddled a couple of times and had a blast when I did it. And I've actually been entertaining the idea of getting one because there's a harbor near my house. And it's like, I'm not going to necessarily take it in the ocean, but when the waves are small, I need, something, <laughs> I need something to do. And I'd rather go paddle around the harbor for exercise in the morning than go for a run. You, know? you should. That's, by the way, that's the line that all new SUPers use is, I'm not going to use it in the right. surf, I swear. <laughs> and you know what? That's generally the intention. But yeah. you start paddling it, you get used to it. And you're like, you know what? I can catch a wave on this thing. And you're like, yeah. you know what? I'll just go down the beach where there's nobody. And three months later, you're at Swami's in the middle of the peak. To right. the <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I also want to use this apology um, to offer a long overdue shout out to a listener, Ian Smith, who runs a business called SUP Adventures in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Oh, Ian. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Ian. Um, shout he, out to Ian Smith. Yeah. They specialize in downwater, white, or downriver, whitewater rafting, or whitewater stand up paddling, basically. Yeah. And um, he's tweeted and commented on our shows since day one. And I've appreciated his feedback and participation in the show. So long overdue shout out. Their website is supadventures.com. I'll post a video on surfsplendorpodcast.com of him doing his thing like whitewater stand-up paddling. It's crazy. You know what? Everyone should do that. That's yeah. an experience that everyone should check off in their bucket list is stand-up paddling down a, down a river. Have I mean, you that's, done it? No, I never have. But it, you've seen it. I've seen it and it looks exciting. It looks difficult. It looks kind of like it would hurt. Dangerous. Yeah. yeah. Like. You know. Yeah, they're wearing rocks and or uh, helmets and knee pads and yeah, stuff. Yeah, rocks are just inches below you. Yeah, you know, so it's crazy. Shout out to Ian Pittsburgh or okay. wherever. Where is he? P- Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Yeah, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Wow. Um, and then the last other quick tidbit, just from the world of social media. Do you follow Mark Richards' Instagram? I do. He's pretty. Uh, he's pretty good about it. He, I love it. Yeah, he he gives you a lot of insight, and I know Mark, and I know that. 
um, he's doing that himself. I can just see it in the way he writes. Like yeah. that's how he, he kind of writes how he talks. Mm-hmm. And yeah, if you don't follow Mark Richards Surfboards is yeah. his Instagram. Mark Richards Surfboards, you should. It's amazing. I and like Instagram for everybody else's Instagrams, it's just short. I mean, it's a photo in a one sentence or something. They try to keep it concise. Mark Richards writes five paragraphs, but they're all stories. It'll be a photo, like an iconic photo or a modern photo or a board that he used to have, a board that he now just made. And uh, and then he just gives you this in-depth history relating to the photo. And it's like, I'll take my time and spend five minutes reading his Instagrams because they're so insightful and what a great asset, you know, to be able to have that constant flow of information from an icon of our sport. Yeah, he, his, his website's like that too, and I'm sure they sort of mirror each other, but you're right. His images are a jumping off point for a bunch of great insight about the history and where he was during that time. Yeah, really, really cool stuff. So um, do you have any topics that you want to start us off with? Um, well, let's see. I guess the first topic would be this Otis Carey thing. Oh um, my gosh, dude. It's pretty interesting. Um, maybe some backstory to what happened is Otis Carey is a Western Aust- or an Australian surfer of Aboriginal descent who has facial features that Nathan Myers, a writer for Surfing Life magazine, a freelance writer, um, suggested looked um, apish. Uh, in the context of um, it wasn't there was any, there wasn't any malice. Nathan was um, he had thought that he was just making comment on the characterization of this. Otis Carey's face, right? Is it Carey? Otis Carey? Yes. And so immediately Surfing Life magazine, upon finding out that there was some uproar about this term apish in relation to the way Otis looks, uh, they they put out a, an apology and profusely saying, hey, there's no racism or any kind of ism and we weren't trying to, you know, and he's our friend and I'm sure he'll understand. And, you know, we're sorry. And and it was a sincere apology put out by Surfing Life magazine. Well, Otis Carey, apparently the apology wasn't enough. Because Mm -hmm. now Otis Carey has, I'm assuming, um, conferred with lawyers and conferred with people that are close to him and has now sued Surfing Life magazine and Nathan Myers for $200,000 in liability and damages yeah uh defamation of character and emotional damage so he's been emotionally damaged and his character's been defamed to the tune of two hundred thousand dollars and he's he's filed this lawsuit in australia and um maybe i'll let you pick it up from there you know um, what was the response by nathan myers to this uh, lawsuit okay so nathan posted an open letter on the inertia.com And he opened it with another apology to Otis. Um, And he goes on to say how much he likes Otis and that there was zero malice intent with the comment. It was simply a descriptor of his facial features, you know, and um, that the size of this lawsuit could put surfing life out of business and thereby unemploy dozens of hard workers and countless others who spent 30 years building this magazine. And I'll give you a direct quote from Nathan. He says, quote, 
And you do realize that surf magazines are how free surfers like you make a living, right? If the magazine that publishes your photos and writes stories from your travels is put out of business by your sense of vendetta, well, what then? Talk about biting the hand that feeds. I guess if you win the lawsuit, you'll be dining well upon those bloodied knuckles. If you don't win your suit, you'll be gnawing fingernails. Neither result sounds very nourishing. I'm guessing your lawyers don't surf. You should teach them. It's fun. The word was a mistake of zero malice intent. The, the magazine and the writers apologized profusely. What more do you want besides our jobs, our lives, and our history? Is this how you want to be remembered by surfing? The man who killed the magazine. End quote. Well, look, my take on it is it's, it's, it's a pretty big mistake on Otis Carey's part. Um, but, you know, you got to figure, look, he's going... He conferred with lawyers. I'm sure that they talked it through, and the and they probably said to themselves, "Look, you're going to be a, a red herring with the surf media. No one's going to touch you. So your career as a free surfer and getting portrayed in these magazines as this uber groovy Craig Anderson, Rob Machado type free surfer, at least within the realm of the print media, and probably uh, the soft goods industry that would support you is over." Are you willing to trade that for $200,000, assuming we can prove this? Because they still have to prove that there was a defamation of this gentleman's character. And um, they did the trade. He basically did the trade. He's like, I'm willing to do the trade. I'll take the two hundred grand if I can get it and say F you to everyone. No, he's not saying F you. Um, you know, it's interesting. On the inertia, the public's response to this on the inertia is... Good for Otis. It's not right to do what you did. Not right for Nathan to do what yeah, he did. Yeah, not right for Nathan Correct. to do what he did. Now, on the Surfer Magazine forum, it's quite the opposite. It's like, this is a money grab. This guy's being a greedy dickhead. Yada, yada, yada. Right. I tend to think that, um, and, and no one really knows, you know, God forbid we're all wrong. And, and he was defamed. He does feel horrible. His reputation has been... Torn to shatter, you know, sh uh, torn to th shreds, and and he's worthless because of this, and he's, you know, and he's hurt, and he's in a depression, and he's locked in his room somewhere, and you know, and it's been really, really horrible, and he can't believe it. Yeah, I find that hard to believe. I I think you and I represent the general public who would determine whether or not he's been defamed. Right? I guess. I, I don't that, see. I don't see. I don't know where the legal line, the limit, the test is on that. Yeah, I don't know what don't the legal see, test is. I personally, as a fan of surfing and viewing it, just viewing surf content, he's not defamed by Nathan's word. He got more publicity out of Nathan's uh, poor choice of words than he ever had previously. And that publicity only made Nathan and surfing life look bad. It didn't make Otis look bad. You know what I mean? So yeah. I don't see the defamation of character. Well, interestingly, so then the filing of the lawsuit could then defame the character of Surfing Life and we could well file our own lawsuit at Otis for filing the I, lawsuit. I definitely see that slant. My thought is if a dollar amount can quell the anguish you feel for the plight of your ancestry, then I can think of no greater defamation of one's character. You know what I mean? You think Nathan's words are defaming? What about you putting a price on 
on your ancestry, you know, and a, and a small price, arguably 200,000 bucks, then I won't feel bad about my ancestry, the plight of my ancestry anymore. Well, see, I don't think that it's that I won't feel bad. That's where you, you there's sort of a, a, a disconnect. Um, I think he still feels bad about the plight of his ancestry being called apish in their character, the way they look. Um, I think that, that, that what happens is his character was defamed. Whether or not you're putting a price on the rest of the ancestry, it's, it's that, it's that he, he feels bad about it. It's not how bad, to, you know, so okay. he's not doing a lawsuit for the rest of the aboriginals. He's okay. just doing a lawsuit for himself. Well, then how do you, that number seems awfully high to me. And secondly, how do you base the number? I mean, they must have a reasoning. How must do you? Be, That's well, a here's question. how you do it. I think you do it on, look, he makes, he makes $50,000 a year. He's got a career probably that's going to run for another four years based on the average life of a free surfer's media attention. Mm -hmm. So we'll do 200 grand, 50 times four. Okay. I guess. Well, did you lose your sponsorship because of Nathan's comment that pays you that money? You know what I mean? Yeah. So I agree. That's for the lawyers to settle, not yeah. us. Yeah. But to your other point about who's defaming who is I really think that um, – what what the stance that Otis has done and the potential harm that he's going to do by bankrupting the magazine potentially jeopardizes a lot more lives and is a whole lot more intolerant of Nathan's uh, poorly selected word than Nathan's intolerance ever was of him. Nathan openly admitted that there was no malice intent. Um, there was no racist connotation with the word at all. So... It was taken out of context, and now you have zero tolerance for me and my poor choice of words and are jeopardizing a lot of other people's livelihoods because of your intolerance. You know, it yeah. just seems that the punishment that Otis is trying to dull out is a lot more severe than any mistake Nathan made along the way. And, and sort of on a little different tangent, if you call somebody... Um, if you say that they look apish, yeah, aren't you in fact just saying, look, you're part of the evolutionary cycle. Your your gene pool um, is such or is, is along the road of this evolutionary cycle, just like we all were. We all were apish. You know, you can, you know what I mean. It's I, yeah, almost like totally. it's not racism. This is basically what you're saying is yes, I believe in evolution. Right. Well, there's no race that I mean. Did they say aboriginals are Cave-like? Caveman-like? Or Geico insurance? Cro-Magnum man. Remember that was another That's quote? That's part of the evolutionary right. cycle. So what I... Um, we need an answer, a cultural anthropologist. Yeah, I think that it's... Uh, the word carries as much meaning. Like, I think there was no malice intent, and the word carries as much meaning as if they were to call Otis seagull-like. You know what I mean? Like there was no racial connotation with the word. Right. And even Nathan Meyer says, quote, the word went unnoticed, meaning by um, the editing staff at the yeah. magazine, the word went unnoticed because there was no malice or, quote, ism associated with it, unquote. And the editor, in fact, of Surfing Life, Surfing Life is of mixed race himself with black and aboriginal blood. So it's like, look, guys. If I would have called you a seagull, you wouldn't have thought anything about it. And you wouldn't have thought anything about it. And uh, 
And that's the same context that we use this word in. We didn't think it was racist. You're the one who were putting racist connotations on it, you know? Yeah, that's 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 pretty strange. It's backwards. It, it, it is backwards. It, it's backwards in terms of just kind of race relations and our evolution as a society, you know? And I think that, um, I don't know, what happened to decorum? You know what I mean? I think that Nate, that Otis would more likely get to the point of healing if he was hurt by simply sitting down with Nathan and having a discussion. Being like, hey, did you really mean that? No? Oh, okay. What if you picked nine people and included Otis Carey as the 10th and put him in a lineup, like a police lineup, and you asked the average person on the street to go, okay, which of these people most looks like an ape? Who would they pick? I don't know what the other nine people look like. We don't know, but, but yeah. maybe that's the test they need to do in this legal proceeding. Yeah, well, to that point, when this first came out about a month ago, I googled Otis Carey, and the first video that popped up, it's a surf video that he produced, is him jumping around, <laughs> eating bananas. Shut up. I was going to say that, and I bit my tongue. Was he eating bananas? No, Scott. Eating bananas, multiple bananas, smashing them against the wall. And I'm going to Google this right now. This is on and YouTube? Then taking, it's on Vimeo. And yeah. then taking his fins out of his surfboard, and he smashes the banana into the fin box so that it's sticking out like a fin, like a half a banana sticking out as if he's going to surf his board with bananas in the fin boxes. No joke. I saw this and Which I was like... Which one is it called? Do you remember what it's, it's called? Otis? It's, it's a shorter one. Maybe two minutes long. Um, yeah, it could be any All of right. those. Alright, well, so, I'm sorry to interrupt you. No, it's fine. It could be any of those. I'll find it though and post it on um, surfsplendorpodcast.com and Scott will post it on downthelineradio.com. When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role, and there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn Jobs. Your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInjobs.com surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. That's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. But he's essentially reenacting an ape, you know, or a chimp or something. Uh, so it's kind of like, it very well could have been that Nathan Myers watched some of those videos to do his background research before writing this article with Otis. And, um, and that factored into the way that he worded the article, yeah, you know? Yeah. Hmm. It's, it just, it, the whole thing is so backwards to me. I'm so far on the side of Nathan Meyer's support in this. Yeah. The other thing is you have to have context 
you can't just call, nowadays actually you can sue for anything and it seems like you can just say that somebody is something. This might be it, this looks more familiar. Um, you can just call somebody something and then it is so. You know what I mean? Back in the day, somebody actually had to do something racist in order for them to be deemed racist. Nathan not only didn't intend uh, anything racial with this remark, but if you look at his history of work, He's an open-minded dude. He's a world traveler. Yeah. He's spent tons of time in tons of different cultures. And he's written nothing but, you know, open-mindedly in every article that he's done in the past. So, I don't know. This whole thing's kind of a nightmare for me. It's, it's interesting. You know, I know Nathan Myers. He's a super cool guy. And it's, it's, this is unfortunate for sure. You know, it's, it's just not true. Um in a larger kind of story, I've lamented in the past that there is no definitive news source for surfing. And there's a lot of editorial outlets who then by default deliver the news, but there's really no unbiased news source. Right. I found this published on The Inertia. Um, nobody else had published it by the time that we're recording this. Have you seen anybody comment on it? No, um, I, I hadn't. In fact, I posted the letter on Surfer Magazine's uh, forum just to kind of get the discussion going. I know I was surprised that it wasn't already on there and rolling, you know, I was surprised that somebody hadn't seen it. And Yeah. So you started that thread. This is it. This is totally it. Yeah. I started the thread and it's gotten a lot of play and it's basically people going, you know what, just another legal money grab. And, and, you know, he, Otis Carey, quite frankly, could be ostracized by the surf world in general, not just the surf media, but just commonsensical people that are like, really, dude? Yeah. Come on. Yeah. This is lame. Okay, banana okay. taking his fin boxes out. So Otis Carey has a banana and he's throwing it into his fin boxes as if... They're going to be his new fins. I didn't see the part where he eats the... Oh, he does. So he goes off like a... He acts like an ape. Yeah. This is the guy that was called apish by Nathan Myers and he has a video of him acting in character as an ape. This isn't going to be good if you're the lawyer. Well, this... And, and they see this. I was wondering, because I watched this a month ago, I thought, well, maybe they were going to take it down. And actually, I should download it in case they do take it down. You're going to be called as a witness. You're gonna be... <laughs> uh, when was this published? I don't know, but I haven't seen the ape down. dancing. Dude, it was the at ape. the beginning. Hmm. Anyway, um, let me scroll down for you. Just slightly. Published four months ago. So prior to Nathan writing that article, just slightly. So hmm. at any rate, we'll post this video. You can find it. It's called Mermaid, um, Mermaid Killer, the Otis the, the Otis Carey Mermaid. I still haven't killer. seen the the ape ape like thing that you were talking about. Well, yeah. Well, anyway, go uh, ahead. We're anyways, ruining the show by watching yeah, videos. Great pod. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for bringing with us. Um, my favorite comment that I saw, I think it was on the Inertia, was somebody just said, I wonder what would what Kong would think of this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what about poor Kong? He's going to sue. Solid, though. Solid comment, whoever that was. Well, what's next? How about, um, what's the water temperature where you live? Is it still 50, cold? 56 Fahrenheit. It's cold, man. Yeah, it is cold. I mean, it's always cold in the spring because of the upwelling and the wind, north winds and yeah. stuff. But no, colder than it has been through the winter, feels actually. feels like it's colder. Um, we're, we got Margaret River and we got Billabong XXL Awards. What do you want to talk about? Okay, well, let me just say this, that the Billabong XXL Awards happen in May, early May. 
right? So we can do the next show on the Billabong Double XL Awards. I've been out of town. I'd like to, I'm actually on the voting academy. They send me a ballot and stuff okay. and I get to vote on it. So I'd like to take a solid look at everything okay. um, and, and then come back to the show and you and I can do that together and kind of go through who we think should win. And we'll basically give the awards out before they give the awards out, which is what I do every year. I like it. And um, I will say that I saw the one of the nominees, I think I mentioned it last time, for Ride of the Year is Jensen Hassett's wave at Cloudbreak that one big day during the event last year. And without seeing the other nominees, I'm going to say that right now, obviously, I mean, it's a mind-blowing tube ride. You probably remember it. Everyone saw it. That, that was yeah, it was like double barrel or triple, triple barrel. barrel yeah. yeah. Jensen Hassett. So and he's a boat. Of, he's just like a boat captain there, right? Well, part-time. He lives on the North Shore. He grew up where I live in Cardiff and um, Del Mar area. Yeah. And he's a great surfer, obviously, and a great guy, a really good kid. And uh, he's not a kid, but when I knew him, he was yeah. a kid. And uh, yeah, so I, that's right now. You know, So yeah, go to Billabong Double XL if you're a listener and check it out. And we'll talk next week in more in-depth about who's going to win. We're going to have the winners here before the winners are announced. We're going to tell you the real deal. No BS involved. No politics. No who's sponsoring who. This is straight subjective as subjective gets. Well, what I do like about that event is that you mentioned his name, which he isn't a well-known name. And a lot of the other guys that are nominated are just kind of uh, guys who have day jobs. You know, they don't have sponsors. He's over there working as a boat captain. And then, by the way, he's going to surf cloud break when it gets triple overhead and get a better barrel than any of the top 44. You know? Yeah, it's pretty cool, huh? I mean, obviously, he's a full-on charger. And um, people in Hawaii know a lot about Jensen. He's, he's, you know, he charges pipe and so forth and so on. So, yeah, stoked for him. I hope he wins. Yeah, really cool. I didn't know that he was nominated. I mean, I've seen that wave, but... Um, yeah, I didn't realize that was actually nominated in the greatest ride category. Yeah, Bill Sharp sort of like leaks them out one at a time, okay. you know, and that was the first one he leaked out maybe two weeks ago. All right, then Margaret River, shall we? Yeah, let's talk Margaret River. Did you get to watch it? I know you were out I of did. town. I, I watched it in Heat's On Demand, Heat Analyzer, yeah. Cool. And I watched some of it live, actually, too. Cool. Yeah. So Michelle Berez wins over Josh Kerr in the final uh, at Margaret River. How did you feel about Margaret River as a venue for a CT event? I was a little underwhelmed, yeah. um, except for the box stuff. Right. And then even the box stuff got a little bit old because it, it's sort of, it's such a short wave and it, it's sort of a one hit wonder. Um, yeah. But the, the ledgy drops are kind of fun to watch. It was fun to watch, I think, the first heat out there with Jordy and was it Alejo Muniz? No, he was out of the comp. Um, it was a Brazilian guy. Jordy Felipe. and no, Felipe. Yeah, maybe it was It Felipe. was one of the Brazilian regular I think foots. Felipe surfed against Joel Parkinson maybe. No, the guy was a goofy oh, foot. It was Miguel a, Pupo. It was a Brazilian goofy foot. It was foot. Miguel Pupo. Yeah, and so that was just fun to watch those guys get kind of launched and kind of get a It was the first time he had ever surfed there. Yeah, and you both got of a, them. Yeah, really. I didn't yeah. know Jordy hadn't been there, but... Um, it was kind of fun to see that. So, but overall, I was a little underwhelmed. Um, I always thought they went left at Margaret River. I didn't realize it was such a right. I didn't really know too much about the wave, to be honest with you. And um, they, everybody said they used to go left there because length of ride mattered, right. you know. And so you can get a long mushy left, and that right. counts more than doing three turns on a right. Right. So, um, do you feel like they will bring it back next year? I do, and and. Um, 
without sidetracking your thoughts, I yeah. want to bring up something about the Australian leg, and we, we'll get back into your mm-hmm. thoughts. But my friend Andrew, who runs a SBT a Surfboard Tracker, mm-hmm. he sent me a thing. He said, hey, maybe you guys should talk about this on the show. The idea of now that there's three events in Australia, having like an Australian triple crown, if you will, or having like the down under title, however you would title it and market it. So the winner of those three events now has a prestigious title. It's probably a good move for the ASP to to institute something like that. Even in PGA golf, they have like the West Coast swing and they have like the East Coast, the Florida swing. And so we have the Australian swing. We have three events. You could have an Australian triple crown, yeah. add some prestige to it, um, throw throw in a dollar amount, have whoever, Red Bull or Vans or whoever's got the money to back that and be the title sponsor. I think it's a great idea that Andrew threw out there, and, um, an Australian triple crown. It's a cool idea, and it could actually be a, a, a five-part crown, you know, because the triple crown in Hawaii includes QS events. It's not all CT events. And in Australia, there's two major events prior to the CT3. So it could be something like that even. I'm not, I I think three is the great number. I mean, when you look at um, graphical, philosophical, everything's trilogies and threes. And Polly Shore movies. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) Great point. Uh, So I think three is the ideal number. You know, back in the day, those three QS events in Hawaii were CT events. They just got downgraded because there was no money in the thing. So... You know, you can kind of give that, you know, that reasoning a pass. You know, I think it's better. It's more prestigious if they're the CT events in Australia. Those events in Hawaii, again, they were CT events. They should be CT events. I don't know if the Haleiwa event was ever a CT. I bet at one point it was. I know Sunset Beach was a CT event. Yeah. For a long time, the license for the Billabong Pro at Sunset Beach was mobile, so they moved it to Waimea Bay or to Laniakea or wherever. The thing to do in Hawaii, on a totally another note, is is get the Duke event reinstated and restarted and have that be like a mobile event, but that'll probably never happen based on the number of, of permits that are allowed in Hawaii. Back that, to us. I, I do like that is a benefit about the Margaret River event to me though, is having it mobile and having multiple uh, surf spots to choose from. I think that adds a lot of excitement to the event, you know? Um, it was just fun to watch and, and it's cool. Margaret, the main break, honestly, I was not sold on it for the first majority of the event. It was just, it's boring yeah, and it, it boring. doesn't, it's not a great measure of their surfing. It was sort of like Bells without all the prestige and all the yeah. history. It was kind of like, really? You know, it, they're doing, it just didn't, yeah. It forces everybody to surf pretty similarly because the canvas doesn't allow for a lot of diversity. Um, but then on the final day of the well, event, I, yeah. I felt... Like I had changed my opinion yeah. completely. I the was like, oh, this that, is so exciting. Yeah, I agree with you. The, the waves looked really neat in the final especially. Yeah. And the turns that Michelle Berez was doing in those hook turns in the pocket mm-hmm. were pretty fascinating. And, and quite frankly, the bottom turns, the way that they could go re- almost go left into the flats mm-hmm. and then crank another bottom turn um, was kind of neat. And um, wh- what I found interesting was that Michelle Berez was on a Tomo. He was on a Firewire, one of the Tomo designed fire wires daniel thompson tom in the final yeah in the final because he was riding a piezel early i a, think a we, fire wire we should look 
we should look. I thought I saw the Tomo yeah. logo yeah. on the rail. Um, and I looked this morning and I, and I specifically looked for that. And yeah. I'll take a look now as we wrap Yeah, up. I didn't. You very well could be right. I'm not questioning that. I just remember in the beginning. He well, it's important because I don't want to put Pizel off. Maybe he was on a Pizel. And well, I'm, he I'm, was early on. I know that much. Right. Um, so in, relation, in regards to the, uh, to the break itself, though, like I think that maybe the surfers also adapted to it. You know, the early rounds weren't as exciting because a lot of those guys haven't spent a lot of time out there. And by the end, the cream has risen to the top. And so guys like Michelle were able to really showcase their strength and they had sorted it out a little bit more. But I don't know. I, I really don't need to see it again next year. I think it's fine as a QS event. I don't care if they bring it back. Well, I think you should give it a couple of years. I think every event deserves a couple of years. I mean, I was also expecting it to be big and meaty and kind of like Hawaiian-like. That was sort of the yeah. spin they were putting on it, you know, that maybe we'd have to break out a 6-8 or something, you know. And it just didn't, like, just imagine if it was 12 to 15 feet, right. which it can get like that. Yeah. Then all of a sudden, they're going left. They're not going right. right. And who knows what happens when it's 12 to 15 feet out there and it's yeah. offshore and blue and... Could be quite exciting. There could be broken boards, you know. Okay, well, let's also keep in mind uh, the Oakley Karamas event got bumped off the schedule this oh, year. Oh, that's a problem. And now I'm starting to see it your way. So it's like if if this was the trade out for that, which I know there's more involved than simply trading the event out, but um, that Karamas event was a ten out of a ten. You know, I mean, you couldn't have asked for anything more. Whereas this, I don't know, it was kind of like maybe a seven or a six out of a ten. Um, you know what? Maybe he Berez was writing a Pizel. I thought that was the Tomo logo. It's the Red Bull logo. Oh, okay. So yeah, maybe it is a uh, yeah. Pizel. I bet you're right. It's uh, hard to tell. Yeah. Um, from the image we're looking at right now, but in terms of the broadcast itself, I actually was a fan of the broadcast. It almost feels like the ASP is listening to our show and making the changes that we have suggested. You know. Don't be surprised, okay. by the way. And I don't mean to, like, toot our horn or whatever, no. but they're smart enough to, to kind of... I'm sure they're listening to other shows as well, and they're listening to everything, and we're just a little bit of the um, constructive criticism that they're taking in. Well, I feel like in the past, the ASP and their events existed in a vacuum where they just did what they were going to do, and the internet, they didn't listen to anything. They just kind of, like, existed as the almighty power that was going to set the pace for everybody to just follow. And I feel like this time they seemed very in tune with all the criticisms and they made improvements. The and, you know, no, go ahead. sorry to interrupt, but these guys are super smart and they knew that the first couple events weren't going to be the, the Emmy winning events that they mm -hmm. hoped to put on. And I'm sure that when they looked at it, they sat in the room and went, how can we do it better? Let's do this. And they drew the same conclusions that all of us drew. They didn't necessarily need right. us to draw That's those conclusions. Because these guys are like Disney professional, you know, entertainment guys. You yeah. know, Paul Speaker's, you know, he's all about telling a story. And so it could just be that they're like, okay, you know what? We really blew it there. We got to tweak this. And one thing I am concerned with is that, and they seem to pull back a little bit, is that the surfing needs to be the reason we watch this these events. It cannot be the, the webcasters, the broadcasters, the personalities just need to move the story along. They can't be the, the, I'm not tuning in to hear Rosie or Joe or Martin as much as we like them. They're yeah. great people or Peter Mel. They're all great people and they're doing a good job, but that's not why we tune in. Right. 
And I think they're going to have to find that balance because a lot of the time that's all that we tune into because they don't run the contest that day. So they need to showcase their personalities and get the, the viewers psyched because there's not going to be surfing today, you know, and for five days in a row. Um, a couple of things that I loved about it, though, is <laughs> it's prompt. It starts on time. In the past, you know, when they say they're going to do the call at 7 a.m., you tune in, you wait 20 minutes, you got to check Twitter to see if they updated that, and it's just a lot of waiting. This, it's reliable, it's consistent. Um, they actually, it seems like, to your point that you've said in the past, it seems like they're cultivating some storylines. Like, Tiago was injured. Well, they go do an interview with Tiago about his injury. They find the footage of the free surf where he was injured. They slow it down. They break it down. They talk about it. They do the quiver profiles where they, Ross Williams goes and talks to Kelly about all the boards he's riding. They did one with Gabriel Medina. Um, the whole uh, Bede and Taj controversy, which we'll talk about as well, they really spent a lot of time talking about that, you know, and they interviewed them after the fact and interviewed the judging, interviewed Kieran Perot on why they had the resurf. Um, whereas in the past, I feel like they kind of would have brushed over stuff like that. They didn't want to be held accountable mm -hmm. for some of the decisions they were making. Um, they openly debated the discussion about Kelly Slater leaving Quicksilver. I feel like that would have been taboo in the past. Oh, they, for sure. They don't want to step on a potential sponsor's yeah. toes. Yeah. They openly discussed it this time. Cool. So all of those things, they openly discussed um, uh, or critiqued flawed surfing. They openly discussed disagreements with judging in, in individual heats, which in the past people have been fired over, you know? Yeah. So all of that stuff I thought was a great step in the right direction. And again, it's it was including all of the internet banter into their broadcast, which I think is a great step forward as opposed to just doing their own thing and ignoring all of us. So. Well, I, that's good insight. And um, I'm sure they'll be glad to hear that you're, you're, you've noticed some changes and I think we'll see more. Yeah. Um, I know you just pulled up the heat on demand. Yeah, be it happened Taj. at the end of this heat, right? Wasn't it something at the end of this heat where he stood up after the horn? Or No, no, no. Tell me about it. I remember seeing it. And I, okay. It was like a while ago. That was like a week ago. Okay. Yeah. It was heat one of round three. Yeah. See, okay. I think there's going to be an issue here with the heat analyzer because it was a resurf. Right. Are you familiar? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The, the reason for the resurf is what's interesting to us. Right. But what they're showing on the heat analyzer looks like the second, it looks like they're showing the resurf. Yeah. They might be. Because they, in heat, it was the first heat of the day uh, and the conditions were glassy. And the heat that you're looking at now is blown out because they ran it in the afternoon. So it looks like maybe we don't even have access to the first surf. I think you're right. But they do have an interview here with the yeah. resurf situation. So what happened was um, it, Taj had priority. He needed a score. Bede paddled. He was just paddling out from having caught a previous wave. And he kind of paddled in front of Taj a little bit. Didn't block him in any way. But his leash was in Taj's path. So when Taj was paddling into the wave that he wanted, he Lance dug Burkhart. in full Lance Burkhardt. He dug into uh, Bede's leash, got tripped up and fell before he even stood up, just got pulled off his board before he was able to stand up. And um, you couldn't really tell why he fell. And even the commentators were like, wow, that was an unlikely fall from Taj Burrow taking off on this wave. So the Bede ended up winning the heat. Everything went, you know, they just moved on with the day. Five heats later... 
cut to an interview with Kieran Perot. Yeah. And Kieran Perot's like, hey, we review, reviewed the footage. There's a rule in the book that allows us to do a resurf if something, uh, you know, something interfered with the scoring potential that was outside of both of their control, basically. Right. And so we've decided that we're going to do a resurf. So then what we're going to do is we're going to do it at the end of the round. So now you have five or six heats to anticipate this potential resurf at the end of the round. And Bede got pissed, emptied his locker, left the contest site, wasn't answering his phone, simply was going to put his foot down and just not show up. How do you know all of that? Because they cultivated that storyline. Oh, great. Uh, Pete Mel goes out into the park or goes into the locker room and says, hey, Bede's locker is empty. We've been calling him. We can't get a hold of him. He goes out to the parking lot. Bede's not in the parking lot. Nobody can get a hold of Bede. So they keep cutting to to develop this story. Oh, good. Good and for them. I, yeah, now I'm, I can see why you're pleased with this. This yeah. is really good stuff. It was, it was like, I'm angry that they're going to do this resurf, but if they're going to talk about it throughout the event, now I'm engaged yeah. and I'm going to watch. Yeah. And so then cut to Taj training with Johnny Gannon for his upcoming heat where he's like doing a tennis ball toss, you know, on one foot and back and forth. Well, then... Bede shows up with like five minutes before the heat. Shows up in the parking lot, in his wetsuit, in his jersey, ready to go. And Pete Mel's in the parking lot, and they're filming him show up and all the drama leading up to it. Taj has already made his way for the water. Well, then Bede doesn't even walk through the contest site. He walks through a completely separate entrance down the beach, down the stairs, and he's going to take the long way out because he doesn't want to get attacked by all the media asking, how do you feel about the free the resurf? Right. So... They paddle out, they do the resurf, Bede wins. So Bede beat Taj two different times in round three. And I mean, what a great ending. You yeah, know? yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, that's good. It might have been better if Taj won from a drama standpoint. I think I I was wondering, I didn't want, want Taj to win because it was just, I felt bad for Bede. Right. You know, it wasn't his intention to trip Taj up. Um, but I had a couple questions about the resurf because it is such a hot topic do you think that they would have done the resurf if taj had won that first heat like say taj still fell on that wave but he got another wave and won the heat no no because the taj was the person that was impeded and he didn't need to do the resurf to give okay. it a chance to win what heat. if the situation was flipped they're in West, keep in mind, they're in West Oz, they're at Taj's home. If Bede was the one who got tangled up in Taj's leash, do you think that they would have done the resurf? Well, I'm assuming that initially Taj complained, and that's why they went and re-looked at it, right? And I'm so Bede would too. Bede would then complain and they would go and look at it, and I'm sure that they would do the right thing. Okay. Yeah. I, that's what I question. I just question they're at Taj's home break. There's a lot of uh, anticipation that Taj is going to do really well in this event. He loses twice in round three, and then it's kind of like the local fire is stoked. You know, I'm wondering how much that had to do with it. I Taj doesn't seem to do well with with pressure. Yeah, he's whenever he was pinned as the guy that's going to win the world title, he let us down. And whenever, right. You know, he's at his home spot and he's pinned with he's going to do good. He's the man out here, and he lets us down. He seems to do good when there's nobody looking at him. Yeah. Well, the funny thing was that same um, path down the beach that Bede took down to surf, 
is the one that Taj took up after the heat yeah. to avoid the same media attention. Yeah, I bet. He was bummed. But even them showing him bummed and all that was great. And the comment section on the ASP site was alive with comments, which is exactly what they want to cultivate, you know? And is that on the YouTube thing? The, um, the live commentary? Is that when you're... Where is that? Was, is that when you're watching the live feed right below it? You can yeah. click that on Yeah, somehow? yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what I hmm. saw. It might have been on the YouTube channel. I watched a lot of it on YouTube on my iPhone, which I'm so glad that I figured out how to do that. Yeah. Now, you know, because I was missing the ASP app. Yeah. But you don't, they don't have it anymore. Um, overachieve, overachievers of the event, Bede, obviously, but also Yaden Nickel. Yeah. Did you see his performance? Yeah, I'm a big fan of his. Oh my gosh. Yeah. How could you not be? He, he landed one aerial sort of in the flats. I thought he was going to break his ankle. And then he did the massive air against um, Mick Fanning that just was, he landed it so buttery. And like, I know that one super huge rotation. Full it was rotation. ridiculous. Yeah. It was so beautiful. I watched that heat and I have Mick on my fantasy team. And, and I took Mick off of my fantasy team. I'm yeah. pissed. Yeah, totally. Bells. Well, well um, speaking of ASP fantasy surfing, as you know, their scoring is a little bit different than fantasy surfer. And what's interesting is that um, they actually scored Josh high, more high. They scored Josh higher than Michelle Perez. Even though Josh Kerr got second place in this event, they accumulate points based on heat totals. Oh, interesting. And so at the end of the event, he has more points than Michelle does. So oh, I thought, that's weird. It is weird. That means you got to really follow the stats. You got to yeah. be one of those stat geeks, which probably in the long run, a lot of those fantasy leagues that do well are real stat driven right. anyway. So. It's much more math than it is anything else. Yeah. Yeah. Um, another, wor oh, one other thing. Uh, in terms of like the broadcast, the commercials were a lot less redundant than they were in the first event. But also, I really enjoyed how much they showcased the region. It made me want to go to Margaret River and to West Oz. Yeah. It just was, the, they did these Margie's Moments thing where they did one with. Uh, Ian Cairns, one with Mark Richards, one with um, Martin Potter, and it just talks about the region and going wine tasting and all the agriculture, yeah. and it was just beautiful. Yeah, it was cool. Really, really smart and cool. Um, and another word on the West, Jay Davies, not a WCT surfer, yeah. but he's from West Oz, yeah. I think has become one of my favorite surfers that's emerged out of the past few years. Uh -huh. Stab Magazine just posted a feature with him called Ferrari Boys, which is like just basically surfers. It's a, it's a showcasing surfers vehicles, but um, very little of it was actually about his vehicle and a lot of it was about him surfing. And that guy is an animal. He's built like a freaking rugby player, and he surfs so incredibly well. And West Oz, that's kind of woolly and um, open ocean, and he just commands it, you know, because he's such a strong surfer, but he does huge airs and stuff. So, um, Jay Davies, shout out to that dude. Super entertaining. <laughs> I'm just looking at the forums for this Otis Carey. Otis Carey thing, and man, these guys on Surfer Magazine's forum are just ripping him apart wow. i mean he's Don't done way more damage to himself yeah oh man um i would like to reintroduce my segment that i brought to the show called this week in surf history yes from this is the segment where i go on to the encyclopedia of surfing.com randomly select a tile and uh read to you 
from that tile. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what? Not, I'm just looking at this picture of this ape guy. <laughs> oh, gosh, dude. Don't even get involved in that gossip. I'm just reading. Um, oh, my God. It's horrible. Okay, go ahead. Okay. This week in surf history. This week in surf history. Do you know who Bunker Speckles is? Spreckles. Spreckles, sorry. Yes. Spreckles. Spreckelsville. Holy yeah. cow. I you know who Bunker Spreckles is. Yeah. Okay, well, he was new to me. Okay, cool. Thanks to the Encyclopedia of Surfing. Yes. Um, basically, surfing hedonist of the late 1960s and early 70s, heir to the Spreckles sugar fortune and stepson to Hollywood actor Clark Gable. Contributor to the, to the shortboard revolution, Spreckles was five when his mother married Gable in 1955. He learned to surf while spending time in Waikiki, not long after Gable's death in 1960. An uncontrollable teenager, Spreckles was temporarily cut off from the family money, but soon came into a multi-million dollar inheritance, and in the early 1970s was said to own more surfboards than anyone in the world. Spreckles is remembered as being mysterious, decadent, handsome, and sometimes violent. Surf magazines published photos of him standing shirtless with a rifle over a just-killed antelope, being chauffeured wearing a mink-lined overcoat, and inserting a hypodermic needle in his arm. He made an important surfboard design con contribution in 1969 by helping invent the down rail, a feature that remains nearly universal on short surfboards. He was also the first, or one of the first, to ride the dangerous waves at Backdoor Pipeline in Hawaii. Spreckles died of a drug overdose in 1976 at age 27. A soft, moody-lit portrait of him was used on the cover of Masters of Surf Photography by Art Brewer, which Scott Bass has just uh, laid down in front of me. So we will definitely post that photo of Spreckles uh, on our website and a link to the book. But that is this week in surf history. Yeah, and... and um... Craig Stesick has done a, uh, he's sort of, Craig's sort of a surfing provocateur, and he, he did a book with Art Brewer completely based on the life of Bunker Spreckles. It's called Surfing's Divine Prince of Decadence, and um, certainly a, a unique character, a guy who was, uh, as you mentioned, of fame and fortune, and kind of lived the, uh, the, the high life, the fast life, life in the fast lane, and uh, drugs will kill you. Yes, they you know will. What? Don't do drugs. Bad idea. Have you... Um, he died at age 27. I did not... The one thing you mentioned I didn't know about was his contribution with the down rail. I thought that was specifically a Mike Hinson uh, design. According to the Encyclopedia of Surfing, he uh, helped invent it, is their quote. Hmm. Um, he died at age 27. Are you familiar with this uh, Club 27, as it's known? No, is it people that have died at 27? Not only people, but super uh, important, influential people, among which Robert Johnson, the blues musician, yeah. um, Jimi Hendrix, Janis Joplin, Jim Morrison, Kurt Cobain, Amy Winehouse, Jean-Michel Basquiat, the artist. Yeah. So. Uh, 27 years old when they died? Yeah, all of them. There's theories behind it, of course. Yeah. So I think pretty it's interesting just a, it's it's a lame coincidence when you do drugs for you know 
10, 15 years and you start at age 15, you end up about 27 is about the you're, time you die. Normally. You have about a 12 year. Yeah, you got about 12 years of just going hard and you're either going to die or go into rehab. Um, uh, I was actually surfing Newport Beach went after a rain recently, a month or so ago, and a hypodermic needle floated past me in the lineup. Well, the Bunker Sprecker, uh, Spreckles hypodermic needle photo, um, it was said, and you may have mentioned it and I didn't hear it, but... Um, it was vitamin B12. Oh. Yeah, it wasn't. Well, according to those. After who, the image came out, that's yeah, what they said it yeah, was? Yeah, like yeah. he was into vitamin B12. Right, exactly. Got to stay healthy, Scott. Jeez. And you know Maybe what? He's coming down Here's the, the thing. Well, he was, he, was, he was one of these guys that would party hard. And when you wanted to party hard and you wanted to keep on going or revive yourself via hangover cure, vitamin B12 was what you took. It kind of like kick-started you back into reality. and Coke, so, Coke helps with that too. <laughs> Coca-Cola. Yeah. Um, so interesting tidbit from surf news or cool. from surf history. Bunker Spreckles. Do a little uh, more research on it out there in the podcast land and you'll, you'll find some yeah. cool story. The book's kind of interesting. I, I I sometimes wonder why we we pay homage to those that, um, that I'm not sure what like – What's the positive that I get from Bunker Spreckle's life? You know, like what did he leave us that we went, wow, glad he was here. Hmm. And that's uh, not to say that every human being needs to do that. But I like to think that yeah. I like to look at people and go, you know what? I'm so glad that guy was on this earth because there's been a positive effect because of it. Was and I'm not sure that that. OK. Um, and of course, that doesn't mean that I'm certainly not. You know what I mean? Like I, I sometimes wonder like why we honor these folks in our pop culture that really he just had a bunch of money and went out and partied. He did. I mean, is, but what's the upside? But um, I mean, we can all do that. Like I don't, this imagery, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm just no, saying like, why are we? Um, I, well, I've got an argument. Okay, good. This imagery yeah. that he's produced from his surfing is an art form, so to speak. And it's provided it's enjoyment in your life i would imagine sure right sure yeah so isn't that something i mean jim morrison using him as the club 27 example it's like yeah the guy you know damaged a lot of women in his life and uh did a lot of drugs but he also provided an art form that we all enjoy you know so yeah could that argument be made that he was an artist and yeah, and we all got to benefit from that exp- that freedom of expression. Well, know? he's obviously a great surfer, and so it's it's neat to look at him surfing. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess I can buy into that. That that, um, And, you know, there's a lot of sort of preconceived things that I'm throwing out there, like, um, you know, a lot of judgments that I'm throwing out there that yeah. could be shot down. Like, what's wrong with just being 27? Who says you have to live to be 77? Sure. Know? And who yeah. knows? Whatever. All right. You got a Duke and kook? I don't. I apologize. I just flew in late last night, so um, I'm I'm underprepared. Yeah, uh, no worries. I've got a Duke. All right. Um, and it was in relation to the Billbong XXL Awards, but we'll talk about that at length in another episode, in the next episode. But basically, my Duke are the women: um, Paige Alms, Maya Gabieri or Gabiera, Kiala Kenley, Andrea Moeller, Bianca Valenti. Um, they're all. Perf- you can only have one. The the one is the down. women's performance of the year contenders. Specifically, <laughs> you're you're just semantic. You're playing with semantics. Specifically, Kiala's wave at Chopu, 
is unreal. Have you seen that wave? No. Oh, it's nuts. And Maybe I have, yes. I think it I have. looks like a closeout, and then she gets blown out from behind the spit. Um, Andrea Moeller's wave at Jaws and Bianca's wave at Mavericks, those three in particular, are waves that I will never, ever catch in my life. And I think it's, um, I don't know, it's a step forward for women's surfing. You, you're, you're taking the kook and duke concept and you're tweaking it to your own benefit. No. And to rightfully shine the light where it needs to be shown. You can only have one kook and one duke. It can't be a group of people. I stand and it my can't be an... Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm standing my ground. I will. By the deem... way, Duke, you're. I mean, David is my kook for twisting my concept of kook and duke into his own. You know uh, why you're well for his own benefit. I remember naming you my kook a couple weeks ago, and I think you just tried to do the same. Exact <laughs> Are you going to add me to the list of girls? <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't have a kook of the week. I I don't feel a sen uh, sense to be overtly negative for no reason you know i'm not saying you are i'm just saying yeah i was thinking no i, agree. No, I, agree. I thought for hours like who's the kook and they need like, to stand out they need to be you know what i mean and so if they don't they don't There's there was there was a little bit of one i don't want to go off on a rant but um here we go yeah i know but <laughs> buckle <point>. in <laughs> prepare yourself he's putting on his reading glasses so it's yeah getting <laughs> let me get the scroll um no just all the the vile filled and hateful internet comments yeah that i think they exist all the time but yeah. just in relation to um what's his name nathan meyer's open letter about otis carey seeing what people write about that it's like you guys you guys are so intolerant you're you're professing to be liberal and to be progressive and to be all accepting but your intolerance for nathan meyer's is exactly what you are you know professing to shame and so I think that that type of internet comment really, it binds the hands of creativity of writers like Nathan, and he's going to be more guarded and more um, censored in the future articles that he writes, and everybody is. And this style of homogeneity that we've developed in our surf media, whether it be the ASP and the way they deliver information or the mainstream magazines... Everybody's got to be so PC and so politically correct because they're afraid of being shamed by the internet. And it's boring. It's boring. You guys are ruining it. And then you're going to be the exact internet commenters who shame the ASP for being boring. But it's because of you. You're tying their hands, you know? So quit trying to just be sensational. And um, you're, uh, yeah. this, is, this is not progress. You guys right. trying to yeah. accept everyone is not being progress because, in fact, you're pigeonholing us and you are shaming the exact people who are our, you know, Bravo, David. You know what Scales, I'm saying? The, the libertarian uh, leanings that came from your, uh, your, 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 what was that that you just did? It was like a uh, soliloquy. I wish I would have written it down. It was a great, I didn't, I didn't cover. Well, all no, it's points. better when you just riff like that. That was good. And I think that's uh, I've, I second your, I second what you said. That's good. Shame on you. The internet. Shame on you, Internet. By the way, feel free to comment about this show <laughs> on surfsplendorpodcast.com. Well, I, I believe that's all we got. Must-see moment. Oh, just got a must-see moment. Just, I know this isn't good pod, but... Uh, what just do you got? He's me... showing me... Is this blue? No, this is not. This is called Glory Box. 
Glory box. And it's all footage from the box during the Margaret River event. Or I think, oh, I saw this today on Surfline, right? This um, is the red camera? Yeah. I think it was leading up to the event, actually. But a bunch of free surf sessions at the box. We got Josh Kerr paddling out right now with a GoPro in his mouth. Um, this is cool. You got it. We'll, we'll put this up right on um, yeah. surfsplendorpodcast.com and downthelineradio.com. It was released five days ago, and it's made its rounds. So yeah. it was on Surfline. It was on Stab Mag. Oh, that's sick, that aerial. Yeah, Josh Kerr, as he's kind of getting spit out of the barrel at the box, gets bumped and just does a massive ollie while he's in the barrel. You've probably seen that imagery. There was a photo that existed of that, too. But at any rate, slow motion footage of the box um, in all its glory, produced by One Palm Media. So we'll have that video embedded on our website. That looks like a fun wave to surf. Yeah. All right. Well, um, unless there's anything else, I guess next time we'll be talking Billabong Double XL. We'll be talking the Bell's Beach event, which may have been wrapped, may be wrapped up by then. It it is gonna. The waiting period starts in about an hour and a half from now when we're recording this. Wow. So today is the waiting period. Right. Hope your fantasy team's in place. It is. I've got my fantasy team in place. I've done some moving and some shaking. I'm not happy with the way things are going. And I've taken Mick Fanning off of my team and restructured my team. Sounds good. Okay, downthelineradio.com. Surftalksandiego at gmail.com. That's how you can get a hold of me. Surftalksandiego at gmail.com. And David's email is... Hello at surfsplendorpodcast.com, which is also the website. And then on social media, just at surfsplendor. Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And, of course, the boardroom, International Surfboard Show, coming up May 17th and 18th at the Del Mar Fairgrounds. Uh, theboardroomshow.com for information. Until uh, next time, adios and aloha. Just a couple states below. Thanks once again for tuning in. Thanks, Scott Bass, for co-hosting the show. And uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. You know how to get a hold of us. The website is surfsplendorpodcast.com, where everything is archived for free. We also have additional show content, all the media, the videos that we discussed in this show, photos, links to their websites, and um, all that stuff can be found on our website, surfsplendorpodcast.com. Also, make sure to follow us on social media at surfsplendor. And if you listen to the show in iTunes or Stitcher, make sure to rate and review the show. That just helps the show to grow. We, uh, you are our only form of advertising, so please continue to share this show with friends. That really just helps the show grow organically. And uh, the more people who are listening to the show, the more episodes we will be able to produce in the future. So that's just your small way to invest in the future of the show. So this is David Scales for Surf Splendor saying thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. Mahalo. Just a couple states below.